Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Flushing is Burning. As always, I'm Grace. Um, so, last we spoke, today is, it's currently 11.20pm on Tuesday, November 14th. Uh, last we spoke was last Monday, um, just before we learned of the Mets managerial decision. Um, we had a fun little, over the past week, we've had like a fun little, um, manager merry-go-round going on. Um, we had already known at this point that Bob Melvin had gone to the Giants um, from the Padres. And I believe by the time of last week's show, maybe a little bit beforehand, maybe maybe recorded a little bit beforehand, um, Stephen Voigt went to the Guardians. So that was kind of the two big things that happened right around when we recorded last week. Uh, then the news broke, and we'll get into this a little bit more um, in a little bit once we get past this portion of the first act, um, that Carlos Mendoza was going to the Mets. And at that point, everyone pretty much assumed for probably about 15 minutes um, that Craig Council was returning to the Brewers. Makes sense. Wanted to stay home in Wisconsin. Uh, and then the John Heyman did the classic, you know, it didn't just have to be the Mets or the Brewers about Craig Council. And normally when Craig Council, when Jim John Heyman does his mystery team stuff, it, it it's never actually a mystery team. But somehow he got it right this time. Um, Craig Council went to the Chicago Cubs. Um, and is making the most money any manager's ever made, both, I believe, both by just total dollar amount, $40 million, and by um, AAV. He's making $8 million a year. It's a five-year contract. Um, the other shocking thing about this is that um, the Cubs weren't looking for a manager to anyone's knowledge. They had David Ross, uh, and David Ross was given the old he-of-ho, um, which, like, I get from the perspective of if you can get Craig Council, get Craig Council. Um, but from what it sounded like, everything I've read about it since then, uh, it sounds like he wasn't really expecting that. And um, the council deal sort of came together. And then by the time the news broke, they're like, well, I guess we got to go tell David Ross. Um, so that sucks for him. There was that moment there, like that half that like five, ten minute mo- moment when they announced it was a mystery team, that, it, oh, it's not it's not the Brewers or the Mets? Who's it gonna be? That, like, people were terrified it was the Yankees. Um, ended up not being the case. So that was, like, one day. Um, and then, uh, in the days since then, we've also found out that, um, Joe Espada has finally gotten a manager job. He's been promoted. Um, he was Dusty Baker's bench coach before that. He, he, he's been the bench coach for the Astros and a coach in the Astro system for a hot minute. Um, he's constantly been in the news as, as a potential manager choice for many different jobs. Um, but he finally got his job now that Dusty Baker's retired. So that's, that, that rocks for Joe Espada, you know. And um, the Angels hired Ron Washington, which I know a lot of people were very excited about. I. 
I feel like we are a little bit away, like maybe like a month away from an article hitting like The Athletic about um, the allegations against Ron Washington from the early 2010s, like 2000s, early 2010s of, of sexual assault against a reporter, I believe. Um, but, but from a purely resume standpoint, of course, Ron Washington deserves another shot. But when you start factoring that in there, um, that doesn't make me feel the happiest. Uh, but you know, men's sports is going to men's sports. Um, at this point, Buck Walter is still jobless, as is Joe Madden. I know that his name had been tossed around for a few different things. Um, but, yeah, at this point, um, oh, and, and just today, I believe, or yesterday, the Brewers announced that they were promoting um, Craig Council's bench coach, Pat Murphy, to the, to the manager's job. So there's one team currently looking for a manager that we know of, um, you know, now we can't discount anything after the Cubs thing, but the Padres are currently still looking for a manager. Um, Benji Gill's in it. Uh, Mike Schilt is in it, which I am sure that exactly what that toxic clubhouse needs is Mike Schilt at the helm. That can't go wrong at all. Uh, but yeah, the Mets hired Carlos Mendoza, which is, um, he was sort of like the clear number two that they were pitching and then as soon as they seemed to think they couldn't get counsel um they were like well we could call us mendoza like they announced that before the council news came out clearly kind of to make it seem like he was the first choice but um the mets council stuff seemed like such a done deal until like that day literally like which was weird like you were i was like oh i'm so certain about this and then like in the hours leading up to it i was like i'm not so sure anymore um the 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 word is that they never felt like council wanted to come to the Mets, which I'm sure both sides want to perpetuate as a story because that makes every everyone feel good. Like oh, the Mets, you know they 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 weren't going to sit around and let Carlos Mendoza get snapped snatched up by someone else, and they knew Car- Craig Council wasn't come, so they got their guy, and you know Craig Council gets to go. Well, you know I didn't even want to leave here. I didn't want to leave the Midwest. There was not a chance. You know, makes everyone sound good. Uh, also, if the Mets had offered him more money, I'm sure he would have come. Um, but yeah, so Carlos Mendoza, uh, Yankee bench coach for the last five years, I believe, under uh, Aaron Boone. He's been considered for multiple jobs this year. Uh, he was he was interviewed for the Mets job, obviously the Guardians job, and um, I believe he. He was maybe going to interview with the Brewers. So, you know, it, it, it's... Okay, so I'm just reading right here. Mendoza was, has been a coach in the Major League staff of the Yankees as an infield coach after 2017, and then after the 2019 season, he was named the bench coach. So he's been the bench coach for the last three years. Um, He had his press conference today. I mean, Joey Cora has already left the staff. Uh, there's, I think Hefner is is gonna stay, but everything else is kind of up in the air, which isn't shocking because uh, a lot of those guys are Buck guys. Um, I will say this: I feel like people have been getting very testy 
about this hiring good or bad like i feel like people are really getting really into the weeds on being like this is a great hire this is a terrible hire and there is no conceivable way to know what kind of hire this is listen this is a worse hire than craig council right now and i think probably just generally because craig council is one of like the top three managers in baseball currently um and carlos mendoza you know that's like a top tier outcome for him, but you can't count on him having his top tier outcome, right? So, so just from a standpoint, like yes, it it could be better right now, but we don't know how he's going to be as a manager. So there's no real way to, um, say one way or another how to feel about it, you know. And I think, I think any sort of getting upset about it or getting really excited about it, I think is premature, um. And I don't think it makes any sense. Just, like, like take care of yourself and don't work yourself up into a tizzy over something that um, currently makes no difference. Like, this guy's, he's, he's, there's a part of him being manager that he does not control in a way, you know? Like, this offseason will determine a lot of things for him. You know, it, it, it looks a lot different when your choices for DH are, like, Shohei Otani or DJ Stewart, you know? So, like, as a manager, there's certain things he can't control. Now, of course, there are things he can control, and we'll have to see how he manages a bullpen and, and does defensive stuff and everything like that. But I think it's just, it's too early to say one way or another um, how this is going to land. Um, we also got a Bob Nightingale special a report on the Mets and Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto um, that the Mets sense that they have no real chance at landing Shohei Otani uh, and they're going to just immediately pivot to Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, So this is Bob Nightingale. Uh, So you got to take it with like a whole barrel of Morton salt. Um, But I have a few thoughts on this one. Uh, they really should just be targeting both, right? Like, that's the real answer here is just do both. I don't see why you have to choose one or the other. Um, And money talks here, right? Shohei Otani, the the word has gotten, you know, there's all these reports about what Shohei Otani's thinking, which I think is a little weird because I don't, Shohei Otani is a player who's very closed up on his actual feelings about what's going on. Like, he's not, you're not going to get a lot out of of him. Uh, Plays his cards close to his chest. So. All these rumors are coming out about what he wants. Does he want a long-term contract? Does he want a short-term contract? Does he want to stay on the West Coast? Does location not really matter for him? Is he intrigued by the Atlanta Braves and will then pay like 50% of his salary to their charity? Who knows? But money talks here, right? The only way that the Mets would think that they have absolutely no chance at Shohei Otani is if they don't feel they can offer him anywhere near what he wants. And the number that he will probably get is going to be somewhere in the range of, if I had to guess, and as we know, I'm terrible at making predictions, but this is just a guesstimate based on what he could bring to a team. It's probably going to be somewhere in the vicinity of like 400 to $500 million. And like give and take a little bit on either end of those numbers. But in that, in that ballpark, right? If the Mets owned by Steve Cohen cannot do that for Shohei Otani, then what is the point? of Steve Cohen being the owner, right? Like, this is the moment that makes, like, having Steve Cohen as the owner 
like that this is what makes it make sense right like this is this is the kind of thing that like this is why we get so happy about steve cohen owning the team it's not because he's willing to eat the adam adovino opt-out or because he's willing to pay brooks Raley 6.5 million dollars next year right is that he's willing to sign shohei otani like that is what is so exciting about having him as the owner that that you wouldn't get from the will ponds the will ponds would keep Brooks Raley and then try to trade him in the middle of the season but like they would that's not the thing that separates him from the Will Ponds it's this stuff and I think if if I don't believe this for a second right he they're gonna be in the bidding because again as we've said on the show before there are like four teams with a realistic shot of signing him for the money that he wants everyone's gonna be in on him with the teams that have the ability to offer him the money he wants is and, and are willing to do so is a very short list, a very short list. And the Mets are on there. Why would you take yourself out of the running already, right? So, you know, obviously we're going to be tracking the Shohei Otani free agency on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, that's that's it, it just will. I think that's ridiculous. Um, and then finally, I also want to touch on there's been a few more. Um, moments on the Pete Alonso trade rumor uh, timeline. So Jim Bowden reported this week that should the Mets choose to move Pete Alonso, the Cubs, the Mariners, and the Giants would all be in on trying to trade for him. Uh, they had the GM meetings this week where everyone got a stomach virus and like shit their brains out and they had to cancel it, which is hilarious. Um, but during this, before you know everyone got sick to their stomachs, David Stearns reiterated his belief that uh, Pete Alonso will be the opening day first baseman. And Stearns recently met with Scott Boris to discuss, among other things, I'm sure, this. Um, and, you know, Scott Boris did his Riddler thing where he's talking about whatever. I, I love listening. Scott Boris coming up with his little things each season. Some of them aren't great, but, like, when he when it hits, it hits, you know? It's fun. Um, and I think... I think my my belief on this is that this probably plays out similar to Brent. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if the Mets extend him this offseason, but I would not be su- terribly surprised. Like, I think my most realistic thing for this is that this plays out like Brandon Nemo, because there's a lot of things that kind of line up here already, right? Like, like Mets franchise, young player, one of the best players at his position in his free agency class switches agents to Scott Boris the year before he becomes a free agent. There's all this stuff. Oh, they're going to trade him. Oh, are they going to let him walk? This and that. And then the Nimmo thing, we remember how that played out. He plays out the final year, he hits free agency, and then he resigns. I I see this being a similar situation. Oh, again, I would not be shocked if the Mets extended him, and I think there's a decent framework that the Mets could look at within the division, which is the Matt Olson um, Braves deal, which was eight years, 168 million. Um, but obviously, I think Pete probably makes more than that because you know the Braves seem to have pictures of every single player in like terrible positions. That's the only way that they could get these insane discounts. But you know, inflation, Scott Boris, New York taxes, like Pete Alonso having having some really really great seasons in there, and I think I think again I think we need to just let this one play out and it'll it'll take its it'll it'll run its natural course. Um, but yeah, that's it's been a packed week for New York Mets news. 
Um, so th- that's really like the baseball news this week too. Is because like nothing's happening. Um, like I'm not gonna spend time talking about the Max Muncy extension or whatever. So pre-agency's begun. Nothing's really happened because this isn't the NBA. This stuff takes months. Um, so when we come back, I'm not. I'm actually gonna pivot to an entirely different sport because I really want to talk about the NWSL championships, uh, which championship game, which I watched the second half of, um, cause I was working and I, I just want to discuss like the, the excitement that that brought into my life. And I'm sure so many other people's lives, I'm sure some of your lives, if you're listening to the show, you probably do enjoy women's sports in some capacity. Uh, yeah. So we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. So this past Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, the 11th, yeah, was the Gotham FC against the OL Reign in the NWSL Championship. Now, what, what was really fun about this was there were so many storylines from this game, right? Like, like the actual team matchup. And I'm again, we're all, and, and I, I want to, I'm recapping this because I feel like some of you might not watch this league, the, the NWSL, but I, I, if you if you give it a chance, right? Like this is this is my favorite part about women's sports in general. The drama is there. The storylines are there. It's so good. So Gotham FC has Allie Krieger on their team. New like 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 U.S. women's soccer legend. She's retiring. Legend. She's never won a championship before. Gotham has never won a championship before. O.L. Reign, Megan Rapino, women's soccer legend. My personal favorite soccer player I've ever watched. She's retiring. O.L. Reign has never won a championship before, right? Drama. Like, like real serious drama, you know? And they had talked about, oh, wouldn't it be great if we got Megan Rapino, Allie Krieger final. We get we get both legends playing as many games as humanly possible through up to their retirement, right? And then it happens, which was so crazy. Um, and Gotham won. Um, so three minutes into the game, too. Let, let's let's cover this as well. Um, I believe it was three minutes, and I want because it was so early. I literally was at work. The game had just started. I put it on on my phone, and I watched. And I literally put it on. I went, "Oh no!" Um, Megan Rapinoe goes down with an injury, and and at the time you don't know what it is. Um, but after the game, uh, Pino said that (laughs) I love this. She's so funny. Um. She just fucking needed her her Achilles, um, which sucks. She literally, she said it herself, she rode it till the wheels came off. Uh, six minutes in. She went down like three minutes in, and then they finally pulled her six minutes in because they had to do like injury check and everything like that, which sucks, right? Because then you're watching, you're like, oh. but at the same time, as a New York fan, I'm like, oh no. Because like, what if this motivates OL Ring, right? Because now it's like, we got to win it for her. She's on the she's on the bench. She can't play. Um. They didn't. Spoiler alert. Gotham FC won. And 
what's really great about this is that, and people are going to ignore this for the same reason they would have ignored it if it was the Liberty, because, you know, women's sports doesn't count. But this is the New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. So this is a New York team, right? Like, they, 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 they claim that, right? I wish they would move to New York. Um, but, it, you know, nonetheless, New York team. If, if the Giants being the last team to win a championship for New York count, and they are stationed in New Jersey along with the Jets, then this counts. You know what I'm saying? This is the first championship for New York since the Giants in 2012. So we've gone 11 years since Eli Manning led the Giants to winning the Super Bowl in 2012 for New York. And then this year, the soccer team with an investor named Eli Manning, that's that Eli Manning, win the championship. Fantastic. But this, within the game, there are so many little storylines. There's the um, Sinead Farrelly and Manashim coming back. They both retired. Now, there was this um, sex abuse scandal in, in the NWSL that sort of broke in 2021. And Sinead Farrelly and Manashim, who had both retired at that point, they'd both left the league, were the whistleblowers for it. And Sinead Farrelly said, you know, this past season, she decided to unretire. She signed with Gotham. Halfway through the season, after the World Cup, there were a bunch of injured players for Gotham. They went to Monashim and they said, do you want to sign a hardship? She was like, yeah, sure. So they got both of them. And at the end of the season, they went to Monashim and they were like, listen, you know, we have our team is back to full strength, but do you want to stay on? And she, 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 I read an article with her today in The Athletic. I, I, I advise you to check it out. Um, where she basically was like, I, I thought, she thought to herself that if this team made it to the championship and won the championship, which she thought they were going to do, and she wasn't a part of it, she'd be upset. So she got to win a championship, and she's going to retire after this. She said that. She's done now. Like, this was it. Sinead Farrelly, I believe, my guess is she sticks around. I think she signed a 2023 contract with 2024 option. So I think she's going to stick around. I think she's actually coming back to the league, which is great. But that they changed the league because literally, like, four people got banned from the league for life for this. This changed the way that the league operates. Um, The fact that they changed the league and then came back and won it all together is so amazing. And then, let's pull back a little bit, right? Gotham went from five years ago. They played in a facility, but this is back when they were Sky Blue FC and they were purely New Jersey. They didn't claim New York at all. They were playing in a facility with no running waters. They didn't have operating showers or toilets in this facility five years ago. This isn't like 15 years ago, like, oh, the league just started and, you know, the terrible conditions or whatever. Five years ago. This is... Post-2015 World Cup, just before the 2019 World Cup, no running water. Last year, they were last in the league with a minus 30 goal differential, which we will touch on again later. But keep that in mind, that that's a minus 30 goal differential. And there's one person who really, that kind of falls on their shoulders, doesn't it? And now, this year, they made it into the playoffs as the sixth seed. There are six teams in the NWSL playoffs right? Or eight teams. I'm doing math. I'm really bad at this. Two and two, that's four. Yeah, so six teams. They're the last seed. And they win it all. 
Mitch Purse. Beloved Mitch Purse. If you don't know who Mitch Purse is, I advise you to go find out. She is delightful. She is <laughs> so fun. And in a game where the stories were all about these big retiring players, and Mitch Purse isn't like an unknown. She's a she's a U.S. Women's National Team player. Um, she's very good. But she comes in and she assists on both goals. And she turns around and she's the finals MVP. And she is a kick-ass player. Like, she rocks. Again, go check out. Go check out the highlights from this game. Really crazy. And if we're going to talk about crazy, we're going to talk about the fact that at the end of the game, 90th minute, they get the they get the 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 stoppage time. It's six minutes of stoppage time. Right at right like a minute before that stoppage time ends. Player for a well range, forget who it is, runs out. She's got the ball, she's kicking it. She goes to kick it. The goal goalkeeper for Gotham, Mandy Hot, is running out to meet her. She sticks her hands out, stop the ball to take to, to Keep it from going in. She blocks it. Rose Lavelle runs up. She kicks it, but kicks it away. She reached her hands out of the box. So that's a handball. And that's a red card. They have to put Neely Martin, who is a midfielder, in goal for the last minute of the stoppage time. A game that was 2-1, which, because they didn't have any subs left, so they couldn't sub in a goalkeeper. Um... The one minute left to stoppage time against a free kick, not a penalty kick, a free kick with a wall in front of it from Rose Lavelle. They're putting Neely Martin, a midfielder, in goal. She literally put her gloves on before her shirt, so it took like an extra five minutes to get her into goal. And it's a one-goal game. All, all O.L. Ray needed to do was score a goal. With the person taking the free kick being their best player, they need to score one goal on a midfielder. And they can't do it. <laughs> they don't do it. She kicks it into the wall. And you if you watch the video, it's funny because like you watch it. I watched it at the time. I was like, oh my God, they're gonna lose. And then everything happens. You're like, oh my God, she headed the ball away. And then you watch it. There's someone I saw a video today, actually, of like the field level thing. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh my god. A, that ball was never making it past that wall. I could see uh, before she even kicked it. Just the way she was lining herself up, that thing was never, she was, it literally, it was one of them headed it away. And it was Allie Krieger, you could see, sort of nudged the defender in the wall. Just shaded her slightly, and she, head was right there. But also, really, Martin had that thing, like, pinned down. Like, that was, you're, I'm watching her, and I'm like, oh my god, was she going to save that? Which would have been insane. Could you imagine? Crazy. Ball gets kicked around a few more times. That's it. Gotham wins. And Gotham's win is the ultimate. The ultimate. Fuck you. Right? So this is Allie Krieger retirement, retiring. Her final match is in the final. She's never won the championship before. But also, this woman has been in a relationship with Ashlyn Harris. Goalkeeper in the loosest sense of the term. Like, basically, they allowed her to wear a shirt for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, <laughs> she was on Gotham with Allie Krieger last year. They played together on Orlando Pride and, and on the Wit National Team and everything like that. They've been together for 10 years. Or 13 years, I think. Marriage before. 
They have two kids. They, they adopted two kids. Ashlyn Harris cheats on her. Allegedly. Anyway, this is shady. Like, you, you, you look at it, you're like, if at the very least, the timing is suspect. With Sophia Bush, right? This is the soccer drama sweeping the nation. Allie Krieger, and, and, and also her brother, Kyle. Kyle Krieger, not, not, not Ashlyn Harris's brother, but Allie Krieger's brother, Kyle. Puts up a thing that basically said, after the game, that he was, oh, he's so proud of her, whatever. While this is all going on, her dad is in hospice. And this woman just comes out and goes, fuck it, we ball. And won a championship. The ultimate fuck you. While Ashlyn Harris is, like, trying to make herself seem like a good mom after taking out proud mom from her Instagram bio. This woman is a mess. Right? Absolute mess. Allie Krieger said, fuck you. And the best part is, like, you can sense that the team, all of them were like, fuck you, too. Right? They're all out there, like, liking really hilarious, like, shady tweets and commenting stuff on her Instagram. They all fucking hate her. This, it, it's... They all, they all hate Ashlyn Harris, and it's so funny. And it's one of those things where it's like, you really didn't... You didn't plan this one right, did you, Chief? So... Yeah, this 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 game has occupied like half of my brain since I watched it Saturday night, and um, I got to get my ass out to a Gotham game next year. I got to support these girls. I love Lynn Williams so much. I love Mitch Purse so much. I love Kelly O'Hara so much. I love Christy Mewis so much. I love fucking Neely Martin, my hero. I want to get a goalkeeper kit for Neely Martin. That's, that's, uh, Nike, you make that, I'm buying it, right? Like, that's the vibe. Anyway, thank you for letting me, well, you really didn't have a choice, did you? You're not stopping me from recording this. But, you know, the rhetorical, thank you for letting me rant about the soccer game that I so enjoyed. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to preview next week's episode. And I'm also going to do my, uh, my little movie minute. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, and we're back. So I was thinking about what we were going to do next week because um, I genuinely, you know, I had to talk about a soccer game this week. Not that that's not fun, not that that's not relatable to the show, but I want to I sort of start planning for, like, weekly things during this. And I think what I'm going to do next week is I just rewatched A League of Their Own, the movie. And I think I'm going to give everyone listening a chance to rewatch the movie. It's two hours and ten minutes. 
um, you can find it very easily, I'm sure. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Let's look that up. Not fair of me to just put that on you. I'll, I'll give you the information. I'll give you the deeds. Um, but I figure I'll do a segment on the movie A League of Their Own because I have a lot of thoughts. I watched it um, with a friend of mine um, and her roommate who's, let's say, I'm looking at it right now. It's on AMC+, Plus, Philo, um, YouTube, online, Sling TV, I don't know. You can find it. Uh, it's also streaming places for like $3.99 to rent, so, you know, you, you, can, you can find it. Um, and uh, so I, I figure we'll talk about that next week. I'll do a little thing on my thoughts about a league of their own and um yeah well that'll that'll be fun for next week i'll i'll put together a nice little nice little review um all right so the movie minute this week is it's still in november um and i was thinking what what is like a classic like a stone cold undisputable masterpiece and for me, the absolute top tier best noir film ever made is a 1944 film called Double Indemnity, starring Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray. This thing is like the prototypical noir, right? It, it, it's dark, mysterious, a little sexy. Uh, it's got everything you'd want. Insurance fraud, murder, um, the twisty turny storyline. And I just... What I love about it so much is that it's one of those movies that I think anyone can get something out of it. You know, like, I, I feel like there's sort of this this thought that black and white movies are very inaccessible, which I don't, I don't subscribe to the thought process, obviously. Um, but I feel like there's this sort of thought process that, oh, well, you know, you can't, you, black and white movies are so inaccessible. I think that if you tried to watch them and didn't just sit there and go, ugh, black and white, you know, like, if people didn't just sit there and immediately turn off because of the black and white, they would find themselves loving it. And I think there's a few select movies that you can show people that will sort of open their eyes to the beauty of black and white filmmaking, right? Like, like Casablanca, I think, is something that pretty much anyone can enjoy. 12 Angry Men is the best one for this. Like, I'm not even kidding. If you think you don't like black and white movies, go watch 12 Angry Men, right? And then, you know, people love It's a Wonderful Life and, and um, Miracle on 34th Street. You know, these these classics. Um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, I think, is a great one in that category. And I think Double Indemnity fits really well into this, too, because the story the storyline is so good that you completely forget that there's no color because you're... The, the best black and white movies... Your eyes fill in the color. You can see the color, even though it's not there. Because it's so vivid in its storytelling that it doesn't matter. You are creating the color. Because the story creates the color for you. And you're just plugging that in. And I think that that's what's so wonderful about this movie. Is that it's it's so extremely accessible. It was made almost 80 years ago. It's going to be 80 years old next year. And it is still. 
one of the easiest to watch movies. I just checked. It's streaming online for like four bucks again. You go to your local library. Again, the library is a great resource for this. I think I saw it for the first time because I took it out of the library. It's so good. And when you watch it, this is a this is a this is a Billy Wilder joint, right? Or is it William Wyler? I get them. I know the the difference, but I get them confused because their names are too similar. They should not have been able to happen. Uh, that's a Billy Wilder joint. Yeah. Billy Wilder, Raymond Chandler wrote the screenplay. It, it, it's it's so it's so fantastic. Billy Wilder, actually, if we're going to talk about accessible black and white films, literally watch any Billy Wilder black and white film. Like I literally think that you can watch any of them, and you will be able to to find them accessible, despite them not being in color. Um, you know, this this the Lost Weekend I think is great. Uh, the Apartment. I have a really funny thing about the apartment. I took a movie class, a film film class, um, at when I was going to film school, and it was a film of the '60s class. It was every Wednesday night, and I took this class. I had this kid in my class who was like a a, a baseball player, he played on the baseball team at the school, and he, you know, a lot of the the athletes at the school were um in the communications department because they were kind of like easy majors for them. Um, not, not to say that they're dumb, but like some of the, like a lot of the athletes just wanted something that was like, wasn't going to be a ton of work. They didn't want to go to med school while they were doing athlete stuff. Right. They didn't want to go to business school. They just wanted to do like, okay, easy stuff that will help them later in life. If they, cause th- it wasn't a division one school, so they probably weren't going to take this stuff anywhere. Um, so they, you know, they took, they took the communications class. So I had this kid who was on the baseball team in this class and we watched psycho the first week and he hated Psycho, which was baffling to me. I was like, how does anyone hate Psycho? But he did not like Psycho. Okay. We watched The Apartment. I'm like, this kid doesn't even like Psycho. There's no way he's gonna like any of these movies, and he's definitely not gonna like The Apartment. This is a rom-com from 1960 in black and white. It ends, and this kid's like, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's the power of Billy Wilder, and that's what's great about black and white film. So go watch The Apartment, and go watch Double Indemnity. And go watch, um, go watch Sunset Boulevard. Go watch Some Like It Hot. Go watch Sabrina. Like, Witness for the Prosecution. This this guy, literally, you could just run down his thing and, like, occasionally you're gonna bump into, like, a, um, a dud. Like, freaking. I'm trying to find a good, one of his, one of his dubs. Duds. Oh, The Major and the Minor is a really good movie. He didn't know what you got. This guy is, like, on fight ball of fire. Like, go off, King. Like, Irma LaDuce isn't that good. But, like, you're gonna run into one of those. But at the same time, like, you're gonna run into one of those. And then he also did, like, a million fantastic... He did Ace in the Hole and Stalag 17. And, you know, you just... You're you're gonna run into, like, one or two duds. But on the whole, it's worth it. Go watch Billy Wilder. And go watch Double Indemnity. All right. I think that about does it for me. It's it's a little late at night, and I want to get some sleep tonight. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter slash X, whichever you want to call it, at uh, FIB Pod on Instagram at Flushing Is Burning Pod, and uh, you can email us at Flushing Is Burning at Gmail I have not checked it super recently. I got a new phone, and I keep forgetting to make to sign it back into that email. Um, but I promise I will do that. Uh, 
You can also go to uh, the rest of the shows on Home on Applesauce. They're all fantastic. Uh, from Complex to Queens, a Pot of Their Own, Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. Uh, and if you like any and or all of those shows, I recommend that you go and sign up for the Patreon. $5 a month uh, gets you exclusive episodes, gets you access to our exclusive Discord server, um, gets you uh, access to other special little goodies that we do over the course of... Um, you know, the month and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, $5 is a good way to support these shows that you love so much. It's five bucks a month isn't that much, you know. That's like one Starbucks drink. You know, and I'm not advising you to stop getting the Starbucks drinks. Do whatever makes you happy. But if this makes you happy, you could toss us five bucks a month, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think that about does it. So next week, make sure everyone, you got to brush up on your league of their own. And uh, we'll discuss. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.